Welcome to ASME TechCast, where we bring you the innovators, the innovations, and the issues that push the envelope of engineering. My name is John Kozowatz, Senior Editor of Mechanical Engineering Magazine and ASME.org. And today we're talking about cybersecurity and manufacturing with Gabriela Chikarila and Kyle Salibi. Both are with the Cybersecurity Manufacturing Innovation Institute. Gabriella also is Vice President for Securing Automation and Secure Manufacturing Architecture. And she's also an Associate Professor in the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering at the University of Texas at San Antonio. Kyle was formerly a researcher at Oak Ridge National Laboratories Manufacturing Science Division, and now is a research engineer at Georgia Tech. And welcome to you both. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's great to talk with you today. Yeah. The Cybersecurity Institute, Simon A, is a relatively new organization with a national network of members from industry, academia, and government, including three of the national labs. And the goal is to research, develop, and implement a national vision for manufacturing cybersecurity that unleashes innovation. And it calls for, among other things, securing U.S. manufacturers and their supply chains against nation-state adversaries, cyber criminals, modernizing the workforce for cyber, and training the next generation. And that is quite a charge. So before we get into what the organization is doing, tell me, what is the state of cybersecurity and manufacturing today? Gabrielle, let's start with you. Sure. Uh, well, the, the state of uh, manufacturing is pretty much similar with other industries as well. Cybersecurity, a lot of times, is an afterthought, and that's, uh, that's a problem. Uh, so we are talking about digitization of the manufacturing. Uh, a lot of companies are, are moving uh, towards that. There are numbers uh, uh, like 25% of uh, um, uh, energy savings by manufacturing digitizing, which is a great thing. But at the same time, when we start digitizing, you uh, are going to open up uh, uh, potential uh, uh, cyber attacks for a manufacturing system. So 40% of manufacturing comp companies are actually experienced cyber attacks. Um, and uh, that's that's a big number. So again, like other industries, the fact that we um, we are considering uh, cybersecurity as an afterthought uh, becomes a, becomes an issue because every time you add security after an incident, it means that you already have the losses and it means that it costs much more to add security. Uh, there is a one to 100 ratio. If you add security from the beginning when you build your system versus doing that after you have a system in operation. So Security is important and it can cost if you don't think about it early on when you build uh, uh, your uh, your systems. Kyle? Yeah, and, and following on exactly what Gabriella said, I mean, cybersecurity at its heart is a balance of risk and cost, right? What can you do to prevent someone from doing what you don't want them to do? Um, and if they do that, how much does it hurt you? Uh, once we move into the, the uh, manufacturing world, that that, that risk doesn't just become you know, a financial loss or a, a loss of personal information. Um, it's bodily harm. It's machines that are that are not only hurting parts and you know tearing themselves up, but also hurting the operators and the, the companies and the industries that do that. Uh, it becomes a very dangerous environment. 
just like Gabriella said, many of these many of these manufacturing systems are not the modern architectures and software and underlying code bases that are patched on you know weekly. These are at sometimes 20, 30 year old machines that are still running Windows XP or an old version of Linux or they're they're very, very hard to protect against and yet they're some of the most critical uh, pieces of infrastructure in in our economy. So what are what are the greatest needs in general? Is it is is it basic awareness? Is it people? Um, is it technical? It's uh, it's actually all all of the above, uh, in a way. Because uh, you you mentioned people. Let's talk a little bit about people. <laughs> Most of the time, security um, issues are related to people, right? Uh, there are people who are going to be um, taken advantage advantage of uh, uh, to click on things. Those are simple attacks, right? You get an email, you click on it, you have your computer linked to your uh, OT side of the network, there you are, you you can compromise the network. So there is some there is some element of awareness of the of the human in the loop, uh, but there is also technology, right? You have to have the capabilities and you have to have um uh systems that and frameworks and architectures that enable you to survive uh, potential attacks there will be attacks we we cannot assume that there are no attacks on manufacturing systems we have to to start from there but we have to have also the uh, the mechanisms in place to to be resilient so i think all of the above training of the people is very important. Uh, building uh, are, uh, building uh, manufacturing systems that have uh, give you security uh, guarantees that provide security guarantees is another uh, important uh, uh, thing as well. And that's exactly what Simani's core mission is. Um, we have dedicated technical teams that work on the problems hands-on on manufacturing systems. So, you know, th these are world-renowned cybersecurity experts um, like Gabrielle and the, and the team that she runs. Um, and they work hand in hand with manufacturing experts to figure out what is not only the IT operations in need, but also the OT operations to secure these equipment. On the other side, Simani has an educational outreach and develops training materials. And one of the, one of the most interesting thing projects in Simani is uh, this kind of mobile bus concept where you can actually go and meet a small manufacturer at their space on their facility and give them a, a holistic training training experience. And I'd like to get into that in a little bit also. Um, but um, let's get back to the organization itself. It's Simony uh, is a, a Department of Energy being, um, and one of the goals is to develop state-of-the-art solutions for smart, for smart manufacturing processes uh, across the supply chain. And, and that's a lot of ground to cover. So yeah. where do you start? What's the foundation? Well, we realize that, again, <laughs> We are talking about security with respect to a manufacturing uh, system. So now what is important is whatever comes out of the manufacturing uh, framework, right? We want to say something about the end product. We want to be able to, uh, to say that that product was created in a manufacturing plant or using the, the supply chain that enabled certain verification so that you have guarantees that that part was was correctly done. I think that's that's very important. So we, we are building around this uh, concept of cyber physical passports. <clears throat> so what does that mean? It means that for every part that is built, we are going to have characteristics that are captured from the design of that part 
to the actual manufacturing uh, uh, process. So we want to make sure that at every stage, right, the, the, a part doesn't, it is it, created from thin air, if you think about it, right? It's a design first. It's not yet something palpable. It's not a physical part. It starts from a design, which is a software. We want to make sure that that design um, is, uh, uh, is safe. So we have uh, in place uh, ways in which we can uh, capture information and in which we can verify that those designs are correct. Then when you move into the, uh, when you want to take that design and move it in onto a machine, there is a, another transformation of that design to be characteristic to a machine where you want to uh, manufacture a part. So all these steps that are happening along the way of, uh, of a manufacturing process, including the huge supply chain that is behind, all of these, we are... Uh, have to be instrumented with different granularities depending on the criticality of the part. But at the end of the day, when you have a system like that, you have the ability to say that, hey, I have a part that has been verified at the design, has been verified during the production, has been verified uh, with respect to uh, what happened on the machines themselves. And the cyber physical passport encompasses all those verifications and all those characteristics of a part. And when we do that, we also capture the energy, the energy uh, embodied energy for building a part. So you can imagine that now you have a passport that tells you how secure uh, the, the whole uh, framework was and what were the characteristics of the, the framework, but also the energy that was used to build a part. So that's, that's uh, also very rich information that enable us to, to talk about efficiency uh, for, uh, for energy. And now we're talking also about the, the productivity, right? Optimizing the productivity of pipelines and, and so forth. So that's yeah. that's one that's one uh, one aspect. And when I'm talking about the different verification, we we are doing we are doing uh, verifications of different types, verifications that are uh, using uh, machine learning techniques, verifications that uh, use formal uh, models. So uh, in which we have certain we, we can talk formally about the guarantees that we provide for uh, for our systems. So. All of those are captured in, in these uh, passports that, uh, that we are building. And the passport will give us the ability to, to talk about the provenance. You have a part, you have the full provenance of that, that part, and you know what happened um, uh, for the whole life uh, cycle of, uh, of a part. Is, is, this, a, is this a common uh, passport? that you're speaking of, um, or is, does this have to be adjusted? There are, you know, manufacturers make all sorts of different parts in all sorts of different ways. So how do, how do you fit the, uh, how do you fit the passport to the system? There, there are different, there are different industries that build different things. There are different machines. So yes, we, we have, we have a framework that is general, but it has to have some, uh, some customizations to the different types of uh, uh, of manufacturing plants, and I'm going to invite Kyle to talk a little bit about that as well, and why why we um, uh, we we need that granularity. And in certain cases, we uh, we will need only parts of the data, not all of the data, because a, a part might not have the the the, the particular criti criticality for parts that are very critical, um, like. Uh, uh, imagine uh, 
airplane blades or things like that. Um, those are uh, those are very critical parts. Then we have to have strong guarantees for those. Yeah. So you know, kind of imagine like the automotive industry. M many parts in the automotive industry are either injection molded, um, you know, from plastic, or they're machined out of metal. And in those cases, the environment doesn't really matter to a big degree. You know, the 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 uh, overall content of oxygen in the air and whatever doesn't often matter when you're making those parts. But if you go to an additive manufacturing or you know 3D printing, as it's commonly known, the oxygen is critical. The chain, the uh, a small percentage change of oxygen in the atmosphere uh, made by a malicious actor could be you know horribly detrimental to the performance of a part. So in, on the automotive side, we have a, a totally different set of sensors that we're going to pull that information from and store in the passport that Gabrielle is talking about. That changes once we go to the additive sector and have a different set of sensors that we pull into that passport. Now, the framework of the passport is the same, you know, how we, how we secure it, that architecture is the same, but each of the individual pieces of information can be tailor fit to a particular industry or to a particular process. There, um, so you folks are, as I understand it, you're dealing with large manufacturers, of course, um, who've got resources, uh, but the, the target is also uh, small and medium manufacturers, and, and there's quite a lot of them around the country, obviously, um, and many, you're talking about smart manufacturing, many are slowly coming around to that, um, so it's still a new program. How do you how do you get them into the uh, into the fold? Yeah, so I mean, it's, as you mentioned, it's a really hard problem. Um, we're trying to work with the top tier suppliers, the the Boeing's, the Ford's, the the massive companies that are out there, as well as the mom and pop shops. And and to be honest, the mom and pop shops are actually the majority. There are far more by number of vo and volume of machines in the United States than there are, of course, of the large tier suppliers. Um, at, at, at first, there's just a, a level of cyber hygiene that's needed. It's not even, you know, true cybersecurity methods, but it's it's training them of what to look out for and how to set up a network properly and how to, I mean, even manage passwords at some level and, and getting that good cyber hygiene uh, under their belt. But then it's actually working hand in hand with them and developing out more advanced technologies and actually working on their shop floor, helping secure their specific pieces of equipment with all of the nuances that go into their process. Um, and I'll, I'll turn it over to Gabriella to talk about some of the larger programmatic aspects of that as well. Yeah, well, I, I also want to remind you that we are a research institute, so we have um, um, we have a double mission, right? We have to build innovation, but we also want to to make sure that we ground it on on uh, real applications. Working with the small uh, uh, manufacturing is a is a key um, uh, key activity that we need. To actually be able to innovate uh, properly, right? We, uh, if we innovate in a vacuum, that that's not helpful. So, uh, as part of Simeni, we are going to have uh, more and more interactions, and we are going to have more and more partners uh, with whom we will work closely and test our um, our capabilities in their environments. Just like Kyle was saying, it's not uh, it's not easy. We all have to. Um, we all have to consider that every environment will have its own um, differences. And there is this uh, conflictual thing between IT and OT. Uh, so um, 
OT, uh, the, the OT systems, most of the time engineers on the OT systems, they care about the process, the, the manufacturing process. They want the process to be correct. The IT side has more of a cybersecurity angle that we are used to um, uh, just looking at the, the press, right? So there is this conflict between the two worlds that uh, we as many are trying to kind of uh, put together. And we, with all our interactions with the small businesses, we are going to, to make sure that we, we we, we fill that gap between the IT and OT uh, worlds. And the cyber physical passport is actually filling that gap because it has the angles of the cyber and the physical aspect, right? The IT is always talking about cyber. The OT is worried about the physical process. When we are building these passports and we are building the, the characteristics across both, we are going to pretty much address all the concerns on, on both uh, both sides. So we are bringing together the two worlds. Well, you're, you're about two years into the program, I guess, right? Since your inception. Um, so what's your reading of the awareness of the community um, of, of the problem, of the cybersecurity problem? Well, uh, it depends which community we are talking about. If you are talking about the research community, <clears throat> the research community is definitely very aware of the IT, IO, IIoT um, uh, issues on uh, on cyber uh, security. If you are talking about, um, and they are actively working on that, right? If we are talking about the the uh, the industry, they have other worries, right? As as researchers, we are we are driven. Uh, by solving the problems, building uh, security capabilities and so forth. But uh, mom, mom and pop's shop is worried about making sure that they pay their workers the next day. They are building the things that they need to build and so forth. So we need to be considerate about, uh, yeah, we need to be considerate um, uh, with these two different uh, uh, setups and build security that is easily automatable. So I think one and economical, right? We have to have the two the two aspects. Secure security and automation are kind of hand in hand, and that's where where you also get the the economical uh, aspect in place. Okay, uh, Kyle, could you talk a little bit about the uh, um, uh, the OT uh, uh, cyber um, issue, um, where um, where where does it stand today? I mean, uh, uh, how are how many systems are, are in place um, in the small to medium sized community? Does such a thing exist out there right now? Yeah. So um, you know, to truly understand, I think we need to look at the the, the current uh, supply chain and, and economy for manufacturing. Um, parts in general can't get made fast enough. They can't get shipped fast enough. And uh, we, you know, we we have a a lot of issue in sourcing the materials to even run a shop, much less make the right part on time every time, right? So because of that, many mom and pop shops are are just so far, uh, you know, burdened and and, and under the uh, under the burden of trying to get the next part out and get that order filled and just run the business as it is. 
that they really don't, you know, many of them really don't have time to focus on cybersecurity in the first place. So now, now going back to that question, with that framework in mind, um, it's as, as fast as you can make a program to run a machine, you're going to throw it on a USB stick or uh, email it over to someone and send it to this guy to check or to this woman to verify that it's it's actually running on the correct software and on the correct platform. And as fast as you can move it to the machine, it's all about speed and optimization, right? There's not really time for cybersecurity. And, and unfortunately, that invites a lot of attacks. Um, that's just kind of the, the state of the world that we live in. Um, because of that, you know, I, I think people are very, very aware of the cybersecurity metrics, but they don't have the time nor you know, sometimes even the expertise to deal with it. Um, and that's that's really where where we want to get to is to help provide that guidance and provide ways that don't necessarily hamper the efficiency, but still decrease the risk of attack through proper methods of of transmission of a program or working on a computer. You know, my, the, the funniest thing I see when I walk into some of our partners here that we work with at Georgia Tech and Simani is a uh, an operator will, will have their cell phone there and they're plugged into the USB port of the machine. Right, and it's just to charge their phone, right? It's just a, it's just a simple uh, charging their phone, but just that one connection right there invites so much opportunity for someone to go through a cell phone and affect the operations on a machine in a negative way. Um, so we really need to work on it. It's a, it's it, people know it's a need, but they don't necessarily have the time nor the resources or expertise to handle it themselves. So, uh, and. and talking about people and workforce training uh, is, is one of the charges of, of, of Simony. Um, talk a little bit about that. What, what are you putting in place? Yes, I'll, maybe I'll kick that one off. Um, you know, one of the best things we can do in the long run is not only training the next generation workforce, but also training the current workforce, improving the practices that we have today, as well as the education a foundational level in the technical colleges, the educational institutions, um, and even you know young professionals that are out there in the field. Um, so I mean, he does have a number of programs for that. I, I mentioned this mobile bus that's meant to go to to the um, institutions and and to the various mom and pop shops. Um, but through some way, they're also working with UTSA from an educational perspective as well. And I'll I'll turn that over to Gabriella for for that aspect of it. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, activities and. We should we should emphasize the fact that learning through doing is the best. So a lot of our uh, training uh, opportunities are are involving hands-on exercises. Um, there is a clear need of understanding security by seeing the impact of security on uh, on existing systems, right? On uh, on manufacturing systems and on industrial control systems in general. So a lot of a lot of the training uh, is going to focus on that, and a lot of uh, our training in the future will also involve training on all the technologies that we are building in uh, in Simeni as well. So we want to to first of all start training on on the concept of and on the consequences of uh, of security uh, and uh, cyber attacks and then later on uh, we're going to train on on different technologies that uh, we are building okay um and i, I there's a um a demonstration facility at the port of san antonio that is either in existence or coming into existence um or could you speak to that a little bit? 
Yes, that's, that's something that is happening as we speak. I think there is a new robotic arm that is going to show up there today. There are um, uh, CNC machines. There are uh, there will be um, quadcopters, little um, uh, little ones. There are there. Are, we we want to have the ability to to um, show and demonstrate all our capabilities on a real uh, scenario. So we are building we are building this facility to enable us to do that. To enable us to to um, uh, to show the consequences of security and to enable us to show the benefits of uh, of uh, our security architectures. So it's it's going. It's not yet ready. We are still uh, we are still building it. And Kyle has uh, has been seeing some of it and has been helping with that uh, with uh, with building that facility, giving advice on uh, what other uh, capabilities uh, we need in there. Uh, we we can invite you <laughs> next time you are in San Antonio to visit it when uh, when it's all uh, ready. Yeah, and the, the hub is meant to serve some of those things we were just talking about, right? We want to bring in people and to educate them hands-on on systems that we have, both on cybersecurity demonstrations, but also to bring them in to conduct some of their own research. How can you build this process correctly? How can we involve cybersecurity in their product and test it out at that facility? Um, at the same time, it's meant to be outreach. It's meant to, to show and, and serve as a demonstration for others of what you can do if you design a place with cybersecurity in mind and start to integrate these technologies. Okay. What, um, what's been your biggest challenge? Biggest challenge? Yes. From okay. what perspective? <laughs> Let's see, because there can be challenges on well, different, on different. Well, aspects. yeah, well, that's what I, that's what I mean. I mean, you, there are so many levels to this, the proverbial onion. You know, you peel one layer and you get to another, um, and you're starting. You're starting basically uh, um, from square one. Yeah. So one challenge that people can see from outside. I want to. I want to emphasize the greatness of the people that we have inside many. So we are. We are a very distributed. Uh, institute, right? We we have partners across uh, multiple universities, multiple labs, uh, and industry partners. So if you look from outside, that's hard to, to uh, manage. And uh, uh, we managed to survive a pandemic. And that was not easy. We started the, the, uh, the institute during the pandemic. And we managed to, to build a team and to kind of uh, forget about the, the physical distance and uh, managed to, to collaborate uh, very nicely. So somehow, we, that would have been a big challenge, but we overcome it. Um, one, and having this type of facilities that enable us to work together on certain experiments in, in facilities in the different labs, uh, in uh, the new facility that is uh, happening uh, at uh, UTSA, that brings us all together. Uh, we, have, uh, we have different teams uh, focusing on different research areas, but we have demonstrations together. And those, um, uh, those are very, uh, I mean, it can be challenging, right? Uh, because of the uh, different uh, location, but it we managed to uh, to find a way in which we can work uh, nicely together. So that's right. It, uh, people, <laughs> we always start from the people side. Um, but I'm thankful that we have a wonderful team to make it uh, all work nicely. Um, from a from a research perspective, there are multiple challenges that we. Um, 
we have to deal with, right? Where do you start? You just said, how do you how do you start? Um, we all had this revelation that uh, when we when we talk about manufacturing and we talk about supply chains, uh, we have to think about them as a one unified framework, right? So we started building our um, our ideas in a um, kind of the similar way by looking at different nodes on a supply chain. So that was one of the, the challenges that we realized that, hey, this is not quite a challenge. The fact that you have a supply chain, it's it's okay. We just have to treat everything in a, in a consistent, all, all, all our uh, capabilities in a consistent way across the supply chain. And we can, uh, we can come up with the, uh, with great innovations there. So we are still <laughs> we are still evolving our our ideas, but I think that that was a way of um, um, of overcoming partially the challenge. Um, another challenge is uh, the fact that you can have great ideas, but you also have to to think that nobody can change their manufacturing systems overnight. Oh, we have a great idea. Let's change everything, start from scratch. That never works in uh, in practice. So I think that that's always a challenge uh, with research on uh, on security. Um, not sure, uh, right? We have to come up with capabilities that work with legacy systems and with uh, future manufacturing systems. That, that remains a challenge forever for everyone <laughs> that okay. works in this area. Got you. Maybe I'll take a, a, a manufacturing perspective from it. Um, just like Gabrielle was saying, many, many manufacturers can't change overnight. They're working on very, you know, respectfully old technologies. And, and it's intentionally so it works well. Um, and it's it's very good at what it does, but but also it, it it needs to be changed over time to deal with modern modern problems. Um, so that, that that's a challenge to to get the buy-in from various manufacturers and machine tool makers and people who make the manufacturing equipment itself, not just use it for their own purposes. But but what I love about Simani is you know on, on kind of a more positive note is is kind of what I call the giggle factor. We we have this we have this incredible team of people with with a wide wide diverse background of experiences, um, and and the giggle factor is very high. We can we can share these ideas, and people you know may 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 chuckle at it or thereby giggle at first, but then you sit back and think like, huh, this this might actually work. Um, and and over the over the years we've we've gotten the buy in from various customers and various clients and various partners to actually go try some of these outlandish ideas that proved to be very successful in mitigating attacks and verifying authenticity on the manufacturing equipment. Uh, so it's, it's there, there's challenges in getting the buy-in and getting it integrated, but the giggle factor at, at Simani is, uh, is, is very high. Can, can you give me an example of that? Yeah, so we, we work with a partner. I, 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 won't, I won't name any names. We work with a, a top tier manufacturer that, that makes CNC machine tools. Um, and as, as part of that partnership, we, we kind of chucked over the fence to them, well, what if you let us run a, a program inside your CNC machine that would help us monitor the operations? Don't even change your architecture, just, just give us a little bit of access to, to try something. Um, and we, we, we tossed an idea back and forth, and, and this particular uh, program on there enables a verification of a part that's running as it's running on the machine. Um, that's something that's 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 very hard to do unless you have the buy-in of a particular company and you have the right levels of leadership and technical skills to actually make it 
to, to implement it on a machine of that scale and of that complexity and was a really big win both for the company and for the inst and for the Simani Institute. Well, I think we're going to have to leave the conversation here for now. We're about out of time. Gabriella and Kyle, thank you so much for taking uh, the time to talk with us. And thanks to everyone for listening to this. My name again is John Kozowatz, and please go to your favorite podcast app to listen to other ASME TechCasts on a variety of subjects. Thanks again. <laughs>